0: Our reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring with knowledge and all discernment so that you may uh, so that you may approve what is excellent and be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and to the praise of God amen to the word of the lord you may be seated and Kiddos, you are
1: released to go to Harvest Kids if you haven't already bolted there, because uh, I know they do exciting stuff down there. Well, I love all of you, and coming to this text this morning, it's so—I uh, don't know—I think I'd use the word tempting uh, to just say how much I love you and then go person by person and share how much I appreciate about you, but I'm sure that you would not appreciate me doing that. So we're gonna jump into this text and see some interesting things here about this text. Because as we come to this text, it's one of those texts that if you understand it in context, you might be going, that's interesting. Hmm, it's interesting that he's responding that way. Because as we come to this passage, in Philippians, we have to remember a few things. Remember that Paul is in prison, likely a house arrest kind of prison where he is chained to a guard. So I don't know about you, but when I'm in the midst of trial, when I go to pray, I'm often uh, in the place of going, I will be thankful Lord when this is done. Right? We come to the end of the year, I'm so thankful that this year is over. Have you ever felt that at the end of a calendar year? So thankful that this year is over. Or I will be thankful when, when this finally comes to play. When I, when I get to that final exam and it's over. When this trial is done. When my spouse gets X. Or when my child finally does this. That's where I'm tempted to have my prayers go. Paul's chained to a guard. in And he's writing to a people that if you remember from the book of Acts, Paul was in prison in the book of Acts when he went to Philippi. So he's even reminded of being in chains while he's in chains. But he starts with saying, I thank my God. He starts with gratefulness. And we're going to look at five different observations of how Paul was engaged in thanksgiving as he is writing to the Philippians. So rather than bitterness, complaining, just everyday grumpiness, no, he starts with thankfulness. And here's the first observation is Look at verse three. He just says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. He starts with thankfulness to God. So every time I think of you, I give thanks. And that's Paul's pattern. Most of us, when we think about thanking someone, we just go, we just thank them. You know, you know we just go up, Jonathan, thank you for serving on the worship team and playing because you have just that gift. We just thank them. And that's right for us to thank them. But Paul's pattern is starting with thanking God. And we see that time and again in the scriptures. I'm just going to kind of blow through a number of references. So to the Romans in Romans 1:8, Paul says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith proclaimed in all the world. Then in first Corinthians... He says to the Corinthians, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. Then to the Colossians, he says, we always thank God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Then to the Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 1, we give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. And he goes on. In 2 Thessalonians, we ought always to give thanks to God for you. Again, in chapter 2, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you. So he says it twice. Then to Timothy, he says, I thank God whom I serve. And lastly, to Philemon, I thank my God always when I remember you in My prayers. So, Paul's pattern is not first to thank the individual. Paul's pattern is to first thank God and then he tells the one who he's thanking God for, he tells them what he's thanking God for. It wasn't just a practice, it was real affection. You see, when we begin by thanking God, we begin to see God's hand of provision for individuals in our life. We begin, When we start by thanking God for those in our local church, we see God's kindness and his provision for us. It actually makes our appreciation deeper and richer. You've You've all encountered maybe someone who just says, hey, I'm grateful for you. And you're kind of like, that seemed really superficial. Did they really mean it? you felt that before. Hopefully not for me. But when we start with, I thank God, our hearts are directed to the one who gave the gift. Our hearts are directed to the one who's doing the work in the person that we're talking to. And there's a, there's a depth of appreciation that happens in us that's deeper than just what we, maybe the surface of just, oh, thank you for doing that. No, no. When we, when we go to the Lord first and we thank him, it, it changes even our gratefulness. It deepens our gratefulness. But then we don't want to just stop there. We want to be a means of grace to our brothers and sisters. Paul could have just said, God, I'm, I'm grateful for these folks and moved on. But he tells them in a letter, he tells them. So when you take the the next step and not just say, God, I'm, I'm grateful. But when you take the next step and communicate that, you not only glorify God, but then you're a means of grace to those around you. You become an encouragement to those around you. When was the last time you stopped to give thanks to God for those in our local church, for those in your small group, for those that you might serve on a ministry team with, to thank God. Because we are tempted, we're tempted to complain. We're tempted to look at the things where people uh, come up short or to see the faults that they have. But Paul doesn't Start there he starts with the things that he sees God working. He, he cultivates a heart of gratefulness so that he can be a channel of God's grace. So as we look at Paul's example, before we even get into the rest of the passage, he starts with thanking God and then he tells others what he's thanking them for. So when you think about someone and you thank God for them, take the next step, send them a text, write them a note on that thing called paper with a pen. Give it to them. Go to them. Look them in the eye. Say, I thank God for you, Chris. I love the Gearhart family. They sit in the front. They serve. They're not just there for sermon illustrations. But I thank God. So look them in the eye. When we hang out afterwards and have some appetizers together, take time to say, I thank God for you. And then specifically share something. That's the pattern that we see in scripture. But then after thanking God, Paul goes on, look back at your Bibles. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul is thankful to God for them, but he's thankful because he's in gospel partnership with them. What does partnership mean? That's pretty obvious, like the common sharing of a mutual interest. So we as a local church, as we labor together in the gospel, we're committed to Christ We're committed to Christ's church. We're committed to Christ's mission. We're partnered in the gospel together to accomplish the task of the mission Jesus has called us to. And Paul is communicating to God his thankfulness. In all my remembrance of you, always and in every prayer of you, mine for you all. Now, if you slow down and you're like, for you all. Like, really, Paul, do you really mean like for? For everyone, I mean, I know some of the people in the church, but I don't really know all of them. What are, are you thanking him for the ones that, like, rubbed you the wrong way a little bit? I mean, maybe you mean, like, all but. No, for, for all the saints. Ephesians 5, Paul says to make supplications for all the saints. I mean, practically, you could come and think, well, are you sure, Paul? One pastor friend of mine said, I could see Paul sitting in prison going, you know, praying like this instead. Oh, God, I, I do pray for the Philippians. You know, they're a, they're a nice bunch. You know, they have some problems. And then maybe rehearse those problems, Lord. Yeah, I noticed these problems about them. And, you know, sometimes they've let me down a little bit. You know they did give me some money, Lord, and I was grateful for that, but you know they could have given a little bit more some of them aren't so easy to get along with. that's the way we can we can tend to pray have have you felt that? but no Paul's example no no grumbling no no calling out the one who's who's hurt him. No, he comes and he prays. Pastor Norm Miller said, God will reveal your heart when you sit down to intercede for others. If thankfulness doesn't flow, you have something to confess. So as Paul goes to pray, it it reveals something about what's going on in his heart. When you sit down to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ, it it reveals your heart. When you sit down to pray for that brother or sister in your small group, if thankfulness doesn't flow, you may want to ask yourself, well, why? Why isn't it flowing, Lord? Is there something that I need to confess? Now, I understand you might not know everybody as intimately as other people, and so I don't want you to overthink it, but say, Lord, why, why isn't thankfulness overflowing in my heart? Because when thankfulness overflows in my heart, it's much easier to pray for people. Dr. Jim Roskip said, it is easier to pray for people when gratitude is a prominent seasoning in contrast to grumbling, fault-finding, or resenting. Because when we pray for others, we take the focus off of ourselves and onto our sovereign Lord. Because we are We are partners in the gospel. None of us are here ultimately because we did something. We're here because Jesus did something. Because Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins because God brought us into the same family. We're we're partnered together because we're in the same family together. And when, but I get in families, you hurt each other. I don't need to speak to specific examples. You all are kind of like, yeah, I, I've been hurt in my family. So-and-so said such-and-such, or I was let down. Then, then our prayers can, can start to reflect our hearts. We're like, hey, where's, where's those imprecatory psalms? Those are prayers. I should pray one of those. Oh, God. Oh, God, she hurt me. Smite her, almighty smite her, smite her dead. I've prayed like that before. When you're just like, God, God, you wanna do a work in them and have lost sight of the fact that we're in partnership together. We belong to a fellowship that is deeper than, than the nuclear family, that's deeper than blood. Here's a reality, nuclear family. So I'm talking about like mother, father, sister, brother, you know, live in the same house. Like right? that, that family unit only lasts like 50, 60, 70 years. But this family, last forever. This family lasts forever. It's not to minimize our immediate families, but those who are found in Christ in fellowship with one another, this lasts forever. So as Paul goes to pray, he's, he's aware of deeper realities that are going on there. He's aware they're in partnership. They had They had labored together. They'd experienced powerful things together. If you remember from Acts 16, what happened there, you know, Paul and Silas, they were put in prison there. I mean, the beginning of Acts 16, it seems pretty simple. Like, they meet this woman, Lydia, who's a seller of purple garments, and they're they're meeting and having a prayer meeting, and that sounds really nice. But then they end up in prison. And while they're in prison, they are singing praises to God. Like, you're just like, hold on a second. This does not seem to be what you would expect to happen. They're praising God, and what does God do? He blows the doors off on the jail so that everyone could leave. And then the guard of the jail is like, Oh no, everyone's leaving. I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my life. I'm just going to take, I'm going to take this, you know, sword, knife, whatever. And I'm just going to kill myself. And he's about ready to do it. And Paul's like, hold on. We're all still here. We're all still here. Uh, Don't do that. Going to mess up your uniform. Don't need any blood on your uniform. And they share the gospel with him. He gets saved and so does his whole household. So it wasn't just, hey, we have partnership together because we're loosely affiliated because we've all trusted in Jesus. No, they, they saw God do powerful works together. We have all seen God. If you, even if you just saw over this last year, we've seen God do powerful works in, in different families' lives, walking through trial, whether that's job, family, physical, all different kinds of things. We've seen God work. God saw I mean, Paul saw God work with them, so he saw this partnership and so understands the intimacy that is there. Do you see your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ here in this church, do you see them as co-laborers in the gospel? Do you see them as co-laborers? Do you see them as those you're on mission together with? They're not just friends. This isn't, as I've said before, this isn't just some club. We're on mission together. And when we see others as co-laborers, it makes a significant difference. So Paul is thanking God for their partnership in the gospel. They had partnership with him. I thank God for you all the time because of our gospel partnership. So When was the last time you thank God for the partnership you have with others, for that person you serve with on the greeting team? I'm so grateful we get to greet people and display Christ. I'm so grateful for you. So grateful we're partnering together. I know some of you do this awesome, right? Some of you just come in the front door and you don't have to be a hugger to do this, but some of the huggers just come in and they just give you a hug. Whether you want to receive the, the fact that you're in gospel partnership, you tangibly know it as soon as they hug you, right? Some of you introverts are like, yep, I know. I love you. Just hold hold on a little bit. But it's awesome though, right? Shaking hands, looking at each other in the eye. It's such a sweet thing. Thank my God. So let's let's remind them, let's remind one another that we're in gospel partnership with one another. And then Paul goes on. Look back at your Bibles. So because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, and then he goes on to verse six. He says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Look back at your Bibles again. We're going to read it again, okay? Look at your Bibles. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He is sure I'm not always sure. Do you ever feel that? I'm not always sure that God is working in my life or that he's using me at all. If I'm honest, there are times I can be tempted to wonder, am I really a Christian? Because am I still struggling with this thing and I, I should be godlier than I am right now? Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in the assurance of salvation. I believe that as a Christian, you can be certain that you are found in Christ, that you've trusted in Jesus Christ. If you've repented of your sins and you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe that God raised him from the dead, you're seeking to surrender your life to Jesus, you can be absolutely confident that you are Christian, that you are in Christ. That doesn't mean you don't feel that subjective experience of doubt. Do you ever feel that? I I don't know that God, I don't know that God's working. I think he might work in other people, but I think he passed me over. It's hard to see God's grace. It's hard to see God's grace sometimes because of our own sinfulness it's hard to see God's grace sometimes because of our pride. It's hard to see God's grace sometimes when, when we're hurt by others. It's hard to see God's grace sometimes when life is just hard. We've all had times where we feel discouraged and we wonder, is God even working? Maybe, maybe you would raise your hand right now and I'm not asking you to do so and say, yeah, I'm in that place right now. I'm feeling that. Or maybe you're like, I don't know that the Lord ever wants to use me ever again. I think he's only got so much energy and he should probably use it on somebody else. But Paul says, I am sure of this. I am sure of this. I am thankful to God and I am sure that he is working because he began a good work in you and he'll bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. I am sure of this. I see God's grace in you and I am absolutely certain. And And then he goes on, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart because you're partakers of me of grace. And he goes on and he shares some specifics and he shares specifics at other points in the letter. And it's important for us when we share this, when we share this with others, when we share that we see God's grace in them, that we share specifics because I'll be honest, I've had people when I've been in the midst of maybe something difficult that I'm walking through or... You know, I made a mistake, and I'm like, I don't know if this ever can get fixed. And then someone just whips this verse out and just says, hey, I'm sure of this. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He's going to be faithful to complete it. I just want to take this and shove it down their throat because it did not have the intended effect in which they thought it was going to have. Friends, we can share this, but when we come and we share specifics where we see God's working, we don't actually have to read this verse. They will feel the effects of this verse if you come and you share specifics. When you share, hey, I see God working. I am sure of this. Hey, I remembered when you told me your testimony. Remember the, that thing about your story, how God worked there? And you know what? I am sure that God is working in you because I see this happening to you. I see how you you used to be so impatient with your kids, you would flip out at one thing. Now they have to do three things before you flip out. You're growing. I know we're kind of like, no, I'm not there. No, we haven't arrived. But we, can, we, we don't see those things. That's why we have to point it out. Point out the specific things that you see. I, I notice when you first started coming to our church, you walked in, you looked at the floor, you didn't want to shake anyone's hand. You know, you were ready to take out those people who were the huggers. You just avoided them like the plague. Now when people walk in the door, you you smile at them. I see God working. Share the specifics. Say God is working. When people see that God is working, they know God began a good work in them. And, oh, he is working right now. And then you remind them, hey, God's working now. That's just a reminder to you. When you see those little things, God's working, that's just going to remind you, to you that I, when Jesus comes back, he's going to finish this whole thing. He's not finishing it today. He's not going to finish it tomorrow unless you see Jesus face to face. Like we are in process, it's a reminder to us, we're in process. I can have you nudge your neighbor and go, you're in process. You're in process. Just remember, you're in process. It's called the process of sanctification. God is working in you. He's conforming you to the image of his son. But if he's working now, that means that he's gonna complete the task. Yeah, God's not finished yet, but he's going to. And I am sure of this. And so you are the voice that some in our church need to hear because they're not sure. You've been in that place, right? You've been in that place where you're just not sure. And how much of a breath of fresh air is it when someone comes in and says, hey, I'm sure of this. You do that. You do that. That happened to me this morning. Happened to me this morning. I came in and discovered that someone had broken into the church. No, they didn't break into the church. But someone had come in to do some things and they left something on my chair. And I was having one of those mornings where I was like, yeah, I feel prepared. I know what I need to pray for. And I I should be really thankful right now because I'm preaching on thankfulness. But I just kind of want to, you know, get back in my PJs. I just, I was feeling that this morning. And I walk in and on my chair is this little package of manna that I was given, otherwise known as chocolate chip cookies, okay, with a little note that had sparkles on it. I don't know if they came from the card or if they just thought it would be cool to dust sparkles all over the thing because the sparkles got everywhere. So I didn't just get the note. I got the reminder all morning long as I would look down and go, oh, there's some sparkles. So in the midst of discouragement, a note kept giving and giving and giving. Hey, God's working. It's not about you. It's just one small thing. You have that. You do that. I see you do that with one another. I want to encourage you to continue to do that. May that just mark our faith family, that we remind one another that God is working, that we thank God for them. We remind them that we thanked God. We tell them that we thank God because we need to hear it from one another. Take the time to thank God. Take the time to share it. Don't think, I don't know. I'm not, I'm just not really good at this. No, you're awesome at it. Keep doing it. Because I'm sure of this, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. You're going to need to tell somebody that while we're eating after church. I don't know who it's going to be, but you're going to need to tell them that. Or you're going to need to tell them some, some specifics. He did it. God did the work. It's not, okay, hey, God's working. You need to just like buck up and, and uh, do your part. No, he's done it. He's going to continue to do it. He's going to fully complete it. Let this truth sink into you. Because it's going to give you faith for things. Let this truth sink into you for you. Parents. God's working in your kids. Faithfully share the gospel with them, but trust him for it. When God begins a work, he's faithful to complete it. We mess up, we screw up, we get impatient. God's faithful. Teens, believe this about your parents. God's working in your parents. God's been patient with you. God's going to be patient with your parents to help them grow in their walk with God. God's God's going to complete it at the day of Christ Jesus. So your parents aren't done yet. Okay, I'm not done yet. The kids aren't done yet. Those in our small group aren't done yet. If you're married, that'll help you as you walk with your spouse as they grow. Again, that doesn't mean that we don't have outside counsel and there aren't times when we talk with one another about hard things or we walk through reconciliation. Those are appropriate things, but this helps give us grace that God's working. He's going to bring it to completion. That helps you as you go to small group. Maybe with that person that drives you nuts. Maybe somebody else in your small group needs this first because you drive them nuts. I don't know. But God's working. You have been, you've had to grow and God's been patient with you. May we be patient with one another. May we encourage one another. May we walk together arm in arm so we cannot forget that God is working. Let's remind one another regularly that God is working. Paul doesn't stop there. Look at verse seven and eight. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's thankful when he's apart from them because he misses them. I'm thankful when For you, when we are apart and I miss you, there are times when I'm not able to be a part of different gatherings or we're not here on a Sunday, but when I'm not here, something is missing for me because I miss you. This was something that God did in Paul. There was an affection that happened that comes through relationship and walking together. That doesn't just happen. We don't don't muster that up. It comes over time as we walk together. That's why we encourage everyone in our faith family to be a part of a small group because that's where you get to know people. That's how you learn their idiosyncrasies and where you certainly encourage one another in the Lord. But honestly, when you get to know others, then you can really help them. Right when someone knows you, when you're struggling, you don't have to say that you're struggling, they just know. Right, this happens with me. Some of my friends or my wife happened to me this week. One particular situation, walking through the room, minding my own business, just doing the things. I'm not I got no angry face on, I got no attitude, I got no I got no stroll of an attitude. I'm just minding my own business. "Hey, what's wrong?" What do you mean, what's wrong? well, you don't seem to be, you don't seem to be uh, acting yourself. Right away, I'm like, how did they know? Well, because they know me. Because we've spent time together. They can be a means of grace to me. Because they know me. You can be a means of grace. Others can be a means of grace to you. And we have fellowship with one another. And then when we don't have that, we, we miss it. We long for it. And I'm so grateful that I see that in our midst. I just love hearing when people are like, Oh, we miss you. We know you got to be gone with family, but so glad that you're going to be back next week to be in small group. We really miss you. I don't think, no one's saying that, oh, just because that's just a nicety. No, you really miss one another and love to be together. I love that about you. God. Forgive us if we aren't affectionate. Help us to be even more affectionate and express that to one another. Is your affection growing? I think God wants to to continue to grow that in our midst. And I think God cultivates that through prayer. Paul's thankful for the privilege to pray. Look back at your Bibles. This is... You know, he's so fired up. He thanks God and, and he just has this run-on sentence, it seems like. And he ends this little section by saying, it is my prayer. After he's yearning for them, he said, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more with, all, with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, certainly it's right for us to pray for specific needs that we have. A job, house, working through an issue. But look what Paul prays. "Praise that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment So that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Praying that we would love more. He's praying that the Philippians would love more. He doesn't go, you guys are really stinky and you don't love each other. So I think I'm going to pray for you. That's not the heart of this. Like he's loved them already. It's not a correction. He's like, no, I just want you to grow even more in this thing that I see in you. And how God would do a work in us if we continue to pray this for one another. Oh, God, I'm praying for the the men in my small group, God, that their love would abound more and more. And let your mind go. God, would their love abound more and more as they engage their children in parenting? As they engage with their wife, would they love more and more? the person that I've been getting to know, when well, we've been serving on the greeting team, God, would their love abound more and more, not just so that they can greet people awesome on Sunday morning, but when they go out to their community, God, would their love abound more and more so they would be the aroma of Christ to God, to those who are perishing and to those who are being saved. Think of what God would do in our midst. God, would you answer this prayer so we'd be pure and blameless so that as we grow, we would we would be imitators of God as we as we've talked about. So we can cultivate this affection by praying prayers like this. God, would you do this? It's hard to hold on to hurt for someone if you're praying a prayer like this. It's hard for you to go to the imprecatory Psalms and go, God, I want you to When you go, no, no, Lord, actually what is good is they have been saved by the blood of Jesus and so have I. So God, I know you want to do this in us because we are meant to be a community that looks different. We're meant to be a community that has intimacy and relationship that far surpasses other communities because these relationships are going to last forever. So I'm going to fight for these relationships. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to encourage them. When someone's hurting, I want to be there to be a means of grace to them. That we would be marked by love for one another. remember he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. The root of our gratefulness and love needs to be rooted in what Jesus has done. And what Jesus has done. Again, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for Christ. So our thankfulness must first go to God. God, thank you that I even have the opportunity to work through this issue with my friend at church because we wouldn't wouldn't even be together if it weren't for you and we actually have hope to work it through because of you. Because remember, remember the one who is saying these words to the Philippians. Yeah, they they labored together in the gospel. They gave money to support what Paul was doing. They saw amazing things. But remember the beginning of Paul's story. His name was Saul, and he hated the church. He persecuted the church. He stood by while members of the church were martyred. but his life was transformed by the power of the gospel to the degree that he went from one who hated to one who had great affection, one who saw his brothers and sisters in Christ for what God was doing in them and what they were going to be, not even what they were or even what they were in the past. May God give us that grand vision for one another. The way we will begin to do that is being aware of what Christ has done because he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer about you. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making my prayer with joy. So let's go to the Lord right now together in prayer. Father, as we come before you right now, this is a familiar passage. These are familiar truths to us. But I ask God that you would work in us. God, I pray that our love would abound more and more with all knowledge and all discernment. God, so that we would approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. I pray, God, that you would continue to do that work in us, that we would grow. And I pray, God, that we would see you growing. And when we're discouraged, Lord, would you appoint appoint individuals in our local church to come alongside at just the right time to bring a word of encouragement, to bring a warm embrace, to bring a warm meal or a note that seems to be water to a soul that's broken. God, that we would see you working and that we would pursue you, that we would grow, that we'd be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ because he's the one that did the greatest work. And we give glory and praise to you for that. We ask all this in Jesus' name,
0: amen.